All right, are we alive? We are! We are live! Hey, everybody! Hey, everybody! It's Dan, your friendly fishmonger from DansFish.com. I'm excited to talk to you tonight. Just me solo, no special guests this time. But it was pretty cool to have Jim Forche on last week. If you guys missed last week's live stream, um, check it out. I was able to spend some time with Jim Forche, who's uh, the owner of the Aquatic Bookshop out of Placerville, California, and is well-known in the hobby. He's done a lot of things with a lot of people. He's, I think, been to the Amazon 19 times to, and collected tons of fish, been around the world, collected with uh, Herbert Axelrod and lots of other people that were have been very influential in this hobby. So it was an interesting conversation. So if you missed that one, I would uh, plug it just because it's a chance to hear from someone who, frankly, is kind of a legend in the hobby. And for me, he's been my mentor since I was a teenager. And, you know, he's kind of family. Uh, he came to he and his family came to my wedding. We've been, you know, I consider him family. That's why I call him my my godfather. It's the best way to describe him, I guess. My fishy godfather. Mm. Anyway, just a little plug in case you missed last week. I think it was a special one. So worth telling you about. So this week, I've got some cool stuff to tell you about. The first is two exciting updates to getgills.com, a great place to buy and sell fish. If you have extra fish to sell, check out getgills.com. If you're looking to buy from other hobbyists, getgills.com is where you can do it. And let me show you just two quick updates. These are really cool. These are things that people have been asking for for a while. The first one, I want to thank... Uh, Otter Creek Aquatics Kindle for this idea. So now you can leave a video with your feedback. So when you go to leave your feedback, you'll you'll read the feedback for the stores here. You can now post a video. So um, Jonathan just released this today, my technical partner. So if you click on that, you'll see the video he uploaded, which isn't actually feedback. It's just an example because we just released it. Um, and then you play that. And so you can show an unboxing of the fish you bought here as part of your feedback. Or you can show the fish, you know, after they've arrived for a few days. I think you have 30 days to leave your feedback for a seller on Get Gills. So if you make videos, then it might be really cool for the vendor you bought them from and for other people that are thinking of perhaps buying from that same vendor to more than just your comments, actually be able to see an unboxing or see um, the fish, how they settled in a week later, you know, something like that. So uh, Kendall from Otter Creek Aquatics gave us that idea. Thanks again, Kendall. I think it's a great idea. Then the second thing a lot of people have been waiting for for a long time. So if you're a seller on Get Gills, you can now reply to feedback. So um, here's a piece of feedback I got recently. And so I responded and said, thanks, Doug, for being an awesome customer. Um, so it's just I, I've been resistant to this um, because I don't want to get in a situation where buyers aren't comfortable leaving feedback because they fear retaliation from a seller and it gets nasty and you get the back and forth. And we've, we've all seen these battles on the internet, right? It, and frankly, it's a little bit childish sometimes. And I just, sorry, trying to center my camera there, just wanted to avoid drama. Like I'm, I'm not a drama 
Well, I'm a drama guy. I'm in theater, but I'm not a guy that likes pointless drama. I, 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 I mean, the fish are awesome. Let's enjoy them. There's no reason to do this if we're not enjoying it. So I was trying to um, prevent that by not having sellers leave feedback. That's the reason we didn't kind of rush into it and make it happen uh, from the beginning. But, you know, Jonathan made the point when we were talking to him, there's been a couple sellers that um, have reached out and been like, I'd really love to leave feedback. Not even necessarily because they got negative feedback, um, but just so they could say, hey, thanks for buying. Or if there was negative feedbacks, be like, I'm so sorry, how can I help? Or, or at least let people know their side of the story. So we ended up going for it because we don't want to put the sellers in a position where they can't be part of the conversation. So I've been reticent to do it because I don't want any of those back and forth wars uh, between buyers and sellers. You sent me bad fish. The fish were fine when they left the room. You don't know how to keep fish. And then it, you know what I mean? I, I don't want that. You killed the fish I sent you. They were perfect when I sent them. Um, but the thing that sold me on the idea was when Jonathan said, you know what? Oftentimes I'll read reviews and the seller will, and if a seller does that and is like, I sent you good fish and you killed them and, you know, just not working with the customer at all or obviously difficult to work with. He's like, that actually tells me more about the seller than um, the negative feedback did. He's like, when I see that, I just don't buy from that seller ever again. And I was like, you know what? I guess that's a good point. It'll you know, any seller that is going to bash a customer, they might feel vindicated or something, but it's kind of a bad long-term strategy because other future customers will see that and be like, I'm not dealing with this person. Right. So once he, once he brought that up, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe that'll kind of help self-monitor. So, um, so buyers can leave their honest feedback and sellers can be part of the conversation, but if they're smart, they're not going to bash the buyer or anything like that because uh, other, you know, that'll be bad long term for their business. So anyway, that is one thing we did. If you're a seller, now you can respond to a buyer's comments or, or, or leave feedback, I suppose, for a buyer after they leave you comments. You have eight, uh, I think, seven days from the time the buyer leaves the feedback to respond. Okay. Um, and then the video thing I like, I, I think it's going to be awesome to be able to see unboxings and actual video of the fish that people got um, in the reviews. So I'm excited about those things. Um, just because I see it, Willie is, Willie's Aquarium Greenhouse, is it like Aquabid? Um, kind of, it's, uh, it's not an auction site. So Aquabid is an auction site. Let me just very briefly for the new folks, um, walk you through what Get Gills is. Oops, hang on. I highlighted my mouse because I wanted to be able to show you guys stuff. And now it's hard to click on stuff. <laughs> so this is how you land on the page. And basically, yeah, in a way, like, like Aquabit has categories, so does this. So if you want to see like cichlids, for, you know, you go here and here's a bunch of different cichlids you can get. Um, and if you want to know more about the listing, you click on it and you can see more. Um, it's different though, cause it's not an auction site and you can order right there. So you can add that to your cart. You can check out. 
and you can here's the credit card field you know you can pay right there so it's kind of a one-stop one transaction thing you don't have to do the the back and forth like someone uh, wins an auction on aquabid then you email and be like hey how many of these did you want they tell you and here's how i ship and here's one and all that back and forth it's kind of all set up so i would call it instead of calling it uh aquabid i would call it more like amazon.com but for selling fish you know very niche Amazon.com is what we're going for. The other thing I like about this is the ability to search. So you can search different countries. Um, you can choose how you want to search lowest price, highest price, scientific name, common name, all that, or just a general search up here. Um, so that's kind of what the site is. So basically, I describe it as it's, it's kind of like Amazon.com, but, but just for fish stuff. Yeah, so I hope that answers that that question, makes that clear for those that don't know the site. Um, then what was the other thing I wanted to do? Oh, yeah. So before we get to questions and comments, I just want to show you this because I'm very excited. I met with contractors uh, pretty much all day today, all afternoon. And here's what we settled on for the new facility. So uh, let me move it a bit because it's behind my head there. Hang on, how can I do this? No, that covers chat. That's no good. Hang on, I got to do something. I'm going to make my head smaller. Ah, everyone's like, it's about time. <laughs> oh, now I just screwed it up. Ah, hang on. It's with this highlighted mouse, it's nope, wrong thing. With this highlighted mouse, it's super hard for me to be accurate with there we go okay my head's smaller there we go now you can see it all so here's what we've settled on it's a 3,000 square foot building so it's not massive we can pack a lot into it um, and it's got 12 foot high walls so there's some good ceiling space and what you guys are going to care about is this these white spaces like this white row here those are all 75 gallon aquariums uh, I can fit 34 of them here um, 17 up top and 17 on the bottom. So basically what I'm going to do, I think, is just move the 75s out of my current facility and line them up here. Then these are all 40-gallon breeders. Each white line that you see is seven 40-gallon breeders, and they're three tiers high. So these all together are 298 40-gallon breeders. This here is the quarantine system. So quarantine rack right here. This is a packing table. This is a boxing table. And then this is postage. So what will happen is when fish are ordered, we'll go grab them from these different tanks. They'll come here. This is where they're going to be put in bags and get oxygen. This is a sink right here, by the way. Sink, sink, sink. Workstations are the red, kind of like desk workstations. And then the brown is uh, kind of stand-up work table areas, more or less. So fish come here. Then they get passed to this table where they're put in boxes. Then they get moved to here where the postage is processed. And then they're set aside here on these tables until it's time, until the day's shipping is all packed up, at which time they go whoop, out and get sent off, right? So that's kind of the workflow. It goes here and then down. 
I've tried to make it pretty centralized. Someone made a great point in the last plans I showed, where I think the offices, the desks were over here and all the tanks were over this way, that that's not very efficient because if every time you get an order, you have to walk all the way down to the end perhaps to grab it. Whereas if you station yourself, oops, sorry. If you station yourself more in the middle, then you only have to walk half as far to each thing. And the other thing I like is these are four foot aisles. So it makes it really easy to work in the space. I've worked in spaces that were way too cramped and just the efficiency is horrible. Yes, you can pack more inventory in, you can get more fish in, and it's really great for that, but it's, it's horrible to work in. Ty Hunsicker, hey Ty, thanks for all the knowledge you gave for free. My disc has just laid eggs, hey, right on. I have learned, hang on, I'll, I'll get back to this plan in a second, this is too exciting. I have learned a metric lot from you. We're keeping it kid friendly. Thanks for being you and being awesome. Ty, thank you so much. I'm glad your discus laid eggs. I'm glad that you're hanging out and making the stream better with your comments and questions. Thanks for the $10 super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but it does make the wife super happy. I hope those discus hatch out and do well for you. Um, and where was it? Oh yeah. So there's space to work in here. Um, this red thing's just a desk, I think, but this is all going to be remaining open for a while. So we have, maybe it stays open. So there's space just to, uh, put carts and, in stuff. Uh, the last thing we want to do is cramp stuff up. There's a bathroom here with a shower. Cause if you work all day and then you have a date that night, you know, you can shower up and go things like that. Or if you spill, uh, ick X on you, you can go take a shower. <laughs> shower is important in a facility like this. And the other thing that I like about this is you could put a, a few more tanks here. We could get a lot more tanks. Actually, we could get three, six. I don't know what the math is. Um, cause I'm not going to stop and think about it, but you could get a lot more tanks if you put them here. But in a previous facility I worked at, it was, kind of like this, except for there, all the desks were here and then all the warehouse space was in the back. The problem was all the racks went right to the wall. So if I went here to this tank thinking this was where the fish was and then was like, oh shoot, I'm in the wrong spot. I'd have to walk all the way back and all the way down to get to it if I had gone down the wrong aisle. And when you were going down to see where a fish was, it was just really inefficient. Uh, and then all the way back, down, all the way back, down, all the way back. So I left these open so that hopefully the workflow is more, you know, you can just go around. Um, and that's half the walking, basically. If you had to go all the way down to the end, this cuts the walking in half. And then if you have to go back up. So that'll just help efficiency a ton. So yes, it prevents inventory, but it helps with efficiency, which in the long run, is makes it fun to work there. We don't want to make this a place where you go work and then after a little while it's like, oh, I got to go back. Jeez, you know, we don't want that feeling in the space. We want it to be a fun place to work, an efficient place to work. Then these brown kind of long things in between the rows here and in back of this row and this row, those just re represent drain pipes that'll go between the uh, racks. Then there's a big, you know, rolling door here, like a big garage door type thing, some exterior doors, and then some windows. I'm going to put windows in, I think, as much as I can. I think there's seven windows in right now, just to make it a bright, fun place to work. Um, I, I'm doing some 
thinking on that though, because if that makes it winter, I have to keep this place warm in the winter, right? And winters here get seriously cold. Like 35 below is not uncommon in the winter. And so I have to think about how many windows versus heat loss, because just keeping the heat in here in the winter is going to be a big challenge. So we're thinking of different things. Do we do geothermal heating uh, into subfloor heating? Do we just put a gas furnace with an H, uh, HRV uh, heat retention ventilator like I kind of have now? You know, we're, we're figuring those things out, but had some good meetings with contractors today. And based on this, we'll get some estimates. And the big difference here is basically what we decided was with the... Uh, all the zoning and setbacks and, and everything that the city was requiring if I built on my current property, we decided, you know what, no, we're just going to go build a big building on a property somewhere, like a commercial lot, something like that. And uh, hopefully an ag lot if I can find one and, and get what we need instead, instead of trying to like jimmy stuff around just so that it works for the city. Uh, so this is the new plan based on kind of what we needed to do uh, based on the city's feedback. So I got it through the kind of the first level of city approval, but then I got to the next level up and they were like, no, <laughs> set back here, bring this in. You can only have this much of your property, use the space. And so by the time all those um, restrictions had been clarified and and uh, kind of set in stone, it was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like I, it, it just wasn't going to work on my property. So that ups the price a bit because now I have to go buy some property, which I was trying to avoid, but it is what it is. So, so that's, that's the update on the warehouse. Those are the updates on getgills.com. I, I did get some new fish in. I got I, some Bolivian rams in that They'll be ready in a couple weeks, but they look great. I'm really happy with them. Um, what else did I get in? Bolivian Rams, chocolate gouramis. Although the chocolate gouramis, this is the first time I've got an order, and it's the same supplier and everything, and they're kind of on the struggle bus. So it's going to be a little while before they're ready to go. Um, emerald Dwarf Emerald Rasboras, the Erythromicron. I know that 54 Punchy was wanting those. So once they're clear quarantine, Pam, I've got a, a gift box coming your way. Um, I tried to order them before and they sent me, I think it was Kuba Thai. <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> no, this is not the same. Um, got some more platinum half beaks in because I was running low. It's going to be a little while before they're ready, though. Those are on the struggle bus, too. Um, what else? Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. I wasn't I wasn't ready to talk about that. <laughs> so I guess I shouldn't have started. Um, I want to thank before I go any further. Thanks, mods, for for being here and doing what you do. I really appreciate you guys. And that's kind of what I wanted to cover before we got to questions and comments. So I'm going to switch to questions and comments. And for those that are new or don't know, if you make it highlight, you'll see some here. They say, let's see the most recent one that you can look at. It's highlighted. Uh, there you go. Richard Crackle says at Dan's Fish, and then he asked the question. I'll get to you, Richard, in a bit, but I'm going to get to the folks before you first. You make that at symbol, and notice there's no space. Just starts typing Dan's Fish. 
It'll, it'll populate, you select it. That way it highlights for me and I can get right to it. So that's how we run things here so that I'm not trying to read all the chat looking for something to, um, to respond to, right? So it's not boring. So, yep. Um, all right. By the way, Oakland Ra- Oakland one two three Raiders. Um, I I gotta apologize. I was I was giving you grief for being an Oakland Raiders fan, but it's fine. If you like the Raiders, that's fine. <laughs> just teasing you. I know some people take that stuff pretty seriously, so I was just teasing you. For those that were hanging out in the chat before the stream started, you know you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Here we go, looking for stuff. Here's the first one. Jeff Chambers says, good evening, sir, at Dan's Fish. Well, Jeff Chambers, a good evening to you, sir. Glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Medina Aquatics, good to see you again, Medina. Hi, Dan, are you able to sex the Empire Gudgeons yet? So with the Empire Gudgeons, it's always a yes and no scenario. In fact, this is the same scenario I have with most fish, a lot of fish that I sell. So with the Empire Gudgeons, there's a few males that are colored up. So I know they're males. And then there's some that are females, I think. But the the danger there is I could send them to you and they could color up into males. So anything that looks like a female on that fish could be a subdominant male that, or like a, a sleeper male, if you will, that just isn't colored up. And the only way I can really tell for sure at this size, once they get really big, it's obvious. The male's finnage gets gets kind of extended and things like that. But at this size, the only way I can tell is if they're colored up. That's the only way I'm confident that I'm going to get you a male. So I can. what I'm going to do if people want pairs is just leave it in the notes at checkout at getgills.com. You can say, hey, please send pairs. Um, so I'm not going to guarantee the sexes but I'll pick a really colorful one and a really drab one. And the odds are that you're going to end up with a pair that way. Um, I can't sell too many males by themselves. I can't sell more males than females, things like that. Because bottom line is someone who, you know, you should get both sexes because then the male displays for the female. And if you've ever seen a male dance for a female, it's pretty spectacular. Um, so that's what I'd suggest no matter what. But some people don't want that. They just think I'm just going to get males and it'll be all color. I can't do that that much because then my sex ratio is skewed. And then I get stuck with a whole bunch of females at the end, which is not a good situation for my business to be in. So if you're ordering two, uh, we'll try to get you a male and female. If you order, yeah, hopefully you don't just order one and want a male. But if you have to, I might be able to do a couple of those. But I get in a situation pretty quick where I can't just sell males, if that makes sense. And this is the same for a lot of fish, like young cichlids, a lot of young fish. When they're first starting to kind of their endocrine system kicks in and they first starting to differentiate uh, sexually. um, If a male's colored up, I'm like, yeah, I, I know that. But then I have this big pool that I don't know if they're females or immature males or subdominant kind of sleeper males. So that's where we're at with the peacock gudgeon. I'm sorry, the empire gudgeons. I have peacocks too, so get them confused. Tampa Tom. Hey, Tampa. Your last live stream was great. Thanks. Although I think Jim is still upset you put those bass in his tanks. Yep. 
what is it, 26 years later? He has a right to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I love listening to Jim talk about fish. He's just been doing it so long. It's been all around the world with a lot of interesting people, and he's kept a lot of fish. So I, I love listening to the guy talk. Chewy LTD, hello at Dan's Fish. Well, hello at Chewy LTD. Chewy Limited. Jeff Chambers, Jim wasn't at the SAS meeting. I didn't find the beard. <laughs> when was that? This week? Oh, he was still traveling back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was still on his way back. Yep. He was on the road leaving from my place. Oh, um, is it going okay for everybody? Michael Wentworth says, uh, apparently missed the first minute or so had to refresh. Um, just if it's buffering bad, just let me know. But on my end, I'm checking. It looks like it's okay on my end. So hopefully that's not an issue. If that's what you meant, Michael Wentworth. Um, by the way, um, Michael, thanks so much for the super chats. Michael sends me super chats. He just does it off platform so that I don't lose 30%. So Michael, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Tree LTD low. Two of my mentors are still alive. All right. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I hope mine is alive for a long time because I love the guy. He's family. MJ Aquatics. Hoi at Dan's Fish and Fish Fam. Well, hoi right back. TM Aquatics. Hey, TM. Glad to see you. Um, I really liked your video. Uh, for those that d- didn't see it, uh, there was some laser quarries that spawned for TM recently. And uh, he's got a great video on him. So check him out. Disco Fish. Hey, good to see you, Cynthia. 44 Mag Guy 1. Wow, almost 4K subs, Dan. Yeah, we're real close to 4K subs. In fact, um, we're as of right before I started this live stream, I think we were like 30 away, something like that. So if you're watching and you like this stuff and you haven't subbed and you want to, if we could get uh if we could get up to uh 6k tonight, that would just be fun. So shares, likes, subscriptions, notification bells, all that stuff is always greatly appreciated. Even in all, says Kaylor's Aquatics. Well, hey, Bob, thanks for being here. Thanks for modding. Chewy LTD, may all your drama remain on stage. Yes, but unfortunately, all the world's a stage. <laughs> like the Rush album states, <laughs> or a little guy named Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Chewy, that cracks me up that your reference for that quote is Rush instead of Shakespeare. I know you were into music, uh, the industry for a while, so it makes sense, but that's just hilarious to a theater guy. <laughs> Disco Fish, totally agree. The customer is always right. Um, so kind of, I don't think the customer is always right, but I think civility is always right. So if the customer isn't right, we can be civil about it. And I've only had in the last two years, one situation that I didn't feel resolved well with the customer. Um, basically I, I just do everything I can to help, but the one situation, and I'll tell you about it. Usually if there's an issue, which by the way is very seldom, we're still up above 99% arrive alive. Um, and as far as I know, be alive, you know, weeks later with our fish, in fact, this week, uh, so far, all the reports are positive. If if something happened with your shipment, please always let me know. If I don't hear from you, I, I assume everything went well. Um, and for those that reach out and let me know how stuff arrived, thank you very much. But 
this. So when stuff goes wrong, I'll, you know, I'll reship, I'll refund. I do everything and, and, and do it promptly. And I think communication is key. It just needs to be um, something that, you know, you don't sit on people's money. You don't make an issue that isn't resolved fester. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Here's what I plan on doing. Does that sound good to you? And then it's done, right? Um, or I resolved the issue. Your money's back. I just wanted to let you know. Things like that. But the one issue was this. Um, I sold someone some of those hyphen red-eyed red sword tails. And I got a complaint from them that said, you know, these are old fish. Uh, this is, you shouldn't sell old fish to people. You're doing a bad thing. Um, and basically that was the concern. And I basically replied and said, you know, I'm so sorry. There's lots of pictures and videos of these exact fish. I feel like I kind of put it out there what they are. And with this breed of fish, they get big and they don't develop their finnage until they're big. So I don't think they're actually old. I just think that they're old enough to have developed their finnage and then be sold. They're going to last a couple to three years and they're probably not more than six months old or so. And that's when they sell them because that's when the finish is fully developed. So that's, that was kind of what I said, like, sorry if you thought they were too old, but you know, that's, that's when I can get them. That's when they sell them. The pictures and videos showed exactly what they were. It's pretty clear. Um, and I mean, I didn't say in that language cause that blames the customer, but I just wanted to say, you know, I, I thought I put it out there that you could see exactly what they were. Sorry, you were disappointed. Here's the reason why they're that size before they're sold, all that stuff. Um, and, and the response was, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. So basically what I did in that situation is I refunded all their money and said, don't over, don't, don't order for me again. Um, and that's only once in the last two years or so. And, and the reason I did that is because no matter how I tried to work with the person, um, and how uh, civil and stuff I was in my responses, they were just angry. And that's not the customer I ever, I want to have in my life. Basically, I don't want to spend 90% of my time dealing with the 10% of customers that are difficult to deal with. So I want to tell those customers, I'm sorry, I, I tried everything. I don't think I'll be able to make you happy. Please don't order for me again. So I can focus on the 90% that are good customers because that drains me. Like it drains me emotionally, it drains me mentally. Um, and I just don't like negativity in my life or in my business. And these days I feel like, uh, I feel like businesses have a certain amount of choice in who their customers are. I, I don't think that's always been the case. Um, when you're a brick and mortar in a town, people come in, you're, you're generally not going to be preventing them from coming in um, and doing business with them. But it's a little different, I think, this day and age. You can kind of say, here's what I did. Here's all I can do. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to make you happy. So please don't order from me again because I don't want you to have a bad experience. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you, Disco Fish. Uh, but I think that – I think the customer is – not always right, but it's gen and is generally right. They're the ones that had the experience. Their experience is valid, even if I disagree with it as a seller. 
they experienced that. To them, it was bad. To them, it was a horrible thing to go through. So um, I think that civility is always right when dealing with that. But if I'm civil in offering to do an entire refund or reship or, or whatever, um, in the few cases, there's a problem. And the customer is not willing to be civil. Then it's like, we're done. Yeah, it's just life's too short. Yep. Um, I just don't want to live my life that way. But, but I do think being customer centric is always important. So whenever a customer has a problem, I try to see it from their point of view. I'm like, okay, I spent the money. I've been waiting for these fish. I've been excited. I have the tank set up. I might have taken time off work or had to bother inconvenience a neighbor or a friend or a spouse or a partner, you know, something to make this happen so the fish could be accepted. So there's this inconvenience, there's this expectation, anticipation, there's angst that goes on because you're waiting for this thing and it's a living thing. And maybe you've had bad experiences in the past and, or maybe not, you know, it's always a, this thing when you're expecting fish and waiting for fish. It's uh, there's always a little bit of anxiety. Will they get there alive? Will things be okay? And then if, if all that is gone through and then there's a problem with what you receive, that is a horrible experience. I'm a customer. I've, I've bought a lot of fish from a lot of places, brick and mortars, um, club auctions, internet listings, all every way you can think of. I bought fish. And when it goes bad, I know how bad it feels. Um, I, I, I know how horrible that experience is. So I think, I think being customer centric is always important and being civil is always important. But there are times when they're just, it's not even that they're wrong. They had a bad experience and their experience is always valid because they lived it. But if they're not willing to be civil about it, yeah. All right. I think I've ranted enough on that. Rant over. Let's have a drink. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, Disco Fish, your point of view is totally fine. It's, it just got me. I think about this a lot. So sorry about the rant. It's just a general rant. It's not directed at you at all. And by the way, Disco Fish has always been an amazing customer, even when things went wrong. And she has experienced things go wrong from me um, and was still pleasant. And so was able to resolve it without any problems. So I thank you for being a good customer. Michael Wentworth. Solid updates on both parts. Excellent add-ins. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan is the coding wizard. And so he's been dealing with a lot of other stuff too, like kind of behind the scenes stuff, grinding away at that. But this is kind of like the, the fun stuff that I get to tell you about every week. Um, sometimes there's weeks that go by and it might feel like we're not iterating, like we're not making progress. We are. It's just back-end stuff that makes the site run more smoothly or be more secure or uh, prevents problems from popping up or glitches that we found. Um, when customers notify us of glitches, that's gold because if you don't tell us, we don't know. Um, so a lot of it's not like, you know, fun or, or sexy to show or, or might not even make sense. But every, every now and then we're able to do something that's fun and, and share that. So that's, that's what we look forward to doing. 
Let's see here. I thought I saw someone. 54 Punchy, the art of fish keeping. Hey, Dan. I think you're talking to another Dan because it's not highlighted. But hey, 54 Punchy, I'm looking forward to the camp out. I can't wait to see you. Um, for those that don't. Yeah, I can announce it. Sorry. It's I was for a sec. I was like, ooh, am I allowed to like talk about this? I can because 54 Punchy talks about it on her live stream. So it should be fine. Uh, so Pam, 54 Punchy is organizing a, a camping trip for um, the fish fam, for folks that like fish and like YouTube and want to get together. It's going to be in Billings, Montana. There's a Facebook group that you can check out with that. Um, but I'm super excited to see you all and anyone that can come to actually be with you in person because I'm a little remote and so it, I don't get to see you. And this will be a great chance. And I'm opening my fish room. So... Anyone that wants can come on over, and during the event, uh, I think I think there'll be a time when we can. Pam and I are trying to find the right time that everyone could come over, see all the fish. I'll do a barbecue here, so you don't have to worry about food or anything like that. It'll just be a, a good chance to see you and and show someone who appreciates it this fish room. <laughs> There's just not that many fish geeks in Sheridan, so yeah. Um, and that's going to be in September. I forget the exact dates off the top of my head. Medina Aquatics, great new ad to Get Gills. Get Gills feels more like fish family than Aquabud does. Well, I'm glad you like it. Um, and I, I don't really have anything negative to say about Aquabid. I just think that what they do is different. They were built to do fish auctions. We are built to do fish sales. So instead of going through the auction process, um, which some people really like, like that adrenaline rush of the competition. Uh, I mean, I like it sometimes. The last five minutes where you're really trying to get a fish and it's that back and forth. It's kind of fun. Um, but if you don't want that, if you just want to go find a fish and like buy it now and, and have the transition be smooth and pay for it there and have it all done, uh, then that's what Get Gills is for. And we're, we're trying to make it as user-friendly as possible and still have the functionality we need and it's pretty complicated functionality. We're not buying like wrenches here. We're buying living things that there's a lot of variation on. So, yeah, we're working on it. Killers Aquatics, remember, if you want to get Dan's attention to a comment or question, please flag it with at Dan's Fish. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob, for reminding folks. All righty. Here we go. Michael Wentworth. Going big. Guess you won't be needing anything in your existing room. Let me know when I can come pick it up. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, free fish room. No, it's, it's all moving pretty much. I, I don't have a lot of extra stuff. Over the years, I've I've come to know what I need and what I don't. And I just don't keep stuff around the fish room that I don't use. So it's not that kind of place you go and you see like just the, the delightful clutter and acclimation of years of stuff. I mean, I throw stuff away. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I don't hold on to stuff that I don't use. So otherwise I would just not be able to function in here. It'd be too crowded. But, but when I move, if there is stuff left over, um, I didn't thought of this, uh, there's, I'll probably post it on the Facebook group, the group, the Sheridan Aquarium Society. Um, and so, Michael, if you if you want to join that Sheridan Aquarium Society, uh, check out that Facebook group. If you join up, then I'll post it there. And I'll just 
give stuff away and a thing that I don't need after I move locations. But the 75s are moving like, like the aquariums are all moving and stuff, but there might be some equipment and things that I don't need. And we're going to, the plan is to turn this, this room into a studio. So, uh, the, the plan is to make it a great place to record content. My wife is a musician and she does a podcast as well. So she's an author and a musician. So and on her podcast, uh, Brenda's books, she reads chapters of her novels as she's writing them. And they're, they're like clean romance. So um, they're like romance. But, you know, if your mother found it on your nightstand, you don't have to be ashamed. It's, it's that kind of thing. Um, and so she records a podcast and then she I make videos. She's also a musician. So we're thinking of doing videos with her singing and stuff like that. Um, so we need a space to do that. So that'll be down here. And hopefully the plan is to make it so that the lighting's nice and things are a good quality production. Because right now I'm hyper aware right now that this is not the best looking that this video could be. It's it's not the best sounding. There's some echo going on and things like that. So um, I want to I want to really dig into it and and make the videos and the live streams uh, really good. But that's going to take space, and right now the space is full of tanks. So that's what that's what the move will allow us to do down here. Um. Alrighty, Dan Slee. Hey, Dan. Great to see you, Dan's fish. Where is the last time you will be changing fish water in the bags? Where is the last time? My brain's not processing that densely. I don't understand the question. Um, I have an idea. Are you talking about before I ship? Um, let me just talk through that process really briefly for those that don't know. But basically, when I ship fish, I catch the fish, I put them in a bag. Before that, the day before I catch the fish, I stop feeding. I wait a day, I catch the fish I need, I put them in a bag so everyone can, else can eat. So they only go without food, you know, one day out of a week instead of three, <laughs> right? Which could be bad. Um, then I, the fish is in the bag until the next day. Then I change the water in the bag, seal it up, put it in the box, and send it out. And that's that way I can help the fish void its guts before it gets in transit. We call it poop management. Shipping is really about poop management. We're trying to prevent the fish from pooping in the bag at all, or at least pooping very much, uh, because that's what causes ammonia and uh you know, just nasty water that fish don't do well in. So if they are in clean water, they're less likely to be sick or have issues, right? So um, I think, Dan, you're talking about when I change the water when I'm shipping, and it's basically right before I seal the bag. So we change the water after they've been in the bag for a day. If there's a ton of poop in the bag, then we'll change that water first and set it back, do all the other fish, and then go back and check those bags because they might have pooped again. There's certain species kind of automatically we do that with, like lie bearers, barbs, rainbow fish, angels, any omnivore that's going to keep eating, 
even after you stop feeding, like is going to eat biofilm and algae and detritus and grunge. Um, those, we tend to change the water, set them aside, do everyone else, then go back and change it again, just because we know they're going to poop again. Um, but basically, that's what it is. Withhold food for a day, put them in a bag for a day, change the water, seal them up, put them in the box and send them out. Um, I think that's what you're asking about, about Dan Slee. Oh, I missed one. The fish tank barn. Sorry, I missed it. $4.99. No more professor. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Always glad to see you here. Always glad to have the super chats. Never required, but always appreciated. And um, I'm still glad I got to meet you when I gave the talk in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That was a highlight, actually being able to see you because I love your videos and I love interacting with you. It's good to see you in person. Two ELTD. Uh, by the way, for those wondering how far behind in the chat I am, and I'm always far behind <laughs> because I'm trying to actually answer the questions and comments, uh, not just keep up with chat. Um, I finally made it to Ty Hunsicker's $10 super chat. Thanks again, Ty. Very much appreciated. True ELTD, there has been a discussion about choline lately, but some strains of fish have issues. How important do you think getting related strains is to genetic diversity? Um, okay, so let me talk about choline first, and then I'll talk about genetic diversity. So choline, for those that don't know, is what happens when you're trying to, when you're breeding a strain of fish, and some of them don't turn out right. So sometimes a fish from a spawn... Um, might have like a really crooked spine or sometimes they don't have the right color if it's like a strain of fancy guppy say or the exact right finage if it's a type of betta. Things that you're not breeding for, things that you don't want in your strain are what we call coals. C-U-L-L-S. So coaling is the process of removing those from the gene pool so that the fish that you do, the traits you do want to propagate have a higher chance of being passed on to the next generation. Now, choline does not mean killing. Some people kind of have that conflated in their head. Choline just means removing them from the gene pool. So they aren't breeding. They aren't used in future breeding projects. Um, I often cull and keep the fish in another tank and don't breed them and let them live out their life. I, I have no problem with that. As long as I'm not breeding the fish, then I'll keep a fish that isn't perfect or is deformed or something. And, and for those that come see my fish room or in my videos of the fish room tours, you'll see a little bit of this. It's like, oh, that fish has a crooked spine. Well, yeah, I'm not going to sell you that fish. It's just it has a right to live. So I'm just keeping it right. Um, so that's what choline is. Now, some people conflate it with killing because some people, when they cull, they tend to take the coal and feed it to another fish or something like that, which, I mean, there's an old saying, the best fish, the best fish, I'm sorry, the best food for fish is fish. And, and that's fairly natural, big fishy little fish. So uh, some people don't like it. I personally think it's part of a natural cycle, but um, so that's choline. Genetic diversity, huh, that's, that's a tricky one. When you're breeding for specific traits, what you're optimally going for is little enough genetic diversity so that you get the traits you want, but not so little genetic diversity that you end up with tons of coals or fish that 
don't have a good immune system or, or problems, right? So that's the fine line you walk. How do I get this gene pool small enough that what I want is coming out without getting harmful things into the pool? And that's a, that's a line you walk. Um, and so there is no like, you have to do this or you have to do this. You know, you, you should, for every strain, you should add new blood every third generation, or you should never uh, breed brother to sister, or you should never breed cousin. To, you know, there are no hard and fast rules. There's a principle that we're trying to achieve, which is, how do we get the fish to produce what we want without becoming weak or having traits we don't want? So that's really what it is. Um, I, I, don't, I can't give you any hard and fast rules about how to achieve that because it differs for every fish, for every strain, even for every breeder, how they keep the fish, the quality of care, different water parameters, things like that. But the principle remains. Um, if you're trying to breed for something specific, how do you get that thing without getting the bad stuff? I, I mean, I know that's a general answer, but that's what I shoot for when I'm trying to develop a strain and I'll inbreed a bit and then I'll outcross. Um, I always have several tanks going of anything I'm trying to develop so that I'm not inbreeding too much. And so I can take a tank cross new blood into it without it affecting the entire strain. And then once that strain is clean enough, then cross that into another tank. And then once, you know, and then finally get it back into all the tanks. So that way you don't ever get in a situation where you lose your strain, you can strengthen it kind of gradually. So that's what I think Chewy LTD. I think choline is absolutely important. Choline doesn't mean killing. And the rules of how to do it differ for everyone's situation, the species, the strain, even how they keep the fish. Greg Jones, when do we get to visit the warehouse? Oh man, anytime. Like um, right now it's a piece of paper. <laughs> so the reality is right now the warehouse is a drawing on a piece of paper or in a computer program really. So um, we're, we, we know our CAC now, we know our customer acquisition cost. Um, we're trying to refine our lifetime value. That's really difficult to do for a new operation, right? Um, but we've got a general idea. I'm trying to, I've got to talk with a mathematician friend uh, that I used to work with at the college and be like, hey, here's what I'm trying to achieve. Here's what I've got. How can we make this better to really refine that? And there's just a few more um, pieces of data I need and then it's all about meeting with investors and um, and raising the funds to make it happen. So, but as soon as it happens, anyone's invited. Like anyone right now that wanted to come down and, and see the current facility is is welcome. And same with the warehouse. I'll need advance notice. We have to kind of plan when uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, people are welcome. And Greg, I would love to have you over. Absolutely. Kelly's Aquatics posting up where to buy a t-shirt. I keep wanting to do more t-shirts. I, I have a bunch of designs in my head that I think would be fun, but um, ah, it's a time thing. Oh, by the way, speaking of time things, everyone that's waiting for me to reply to their comments um, on the videos on YouTube, 
I am way behind. And I'm sorry about that. I feel really guilty about that. And it's just a time thing. It shouldn't be because you guys are a priority, but trying to plan this new expansion and having, uh, you know, I don't want to blame Jim. I, I love visiting him, but having company over, of course, takes some time. But um, it's, it's it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But um, you know, planning this expansion and all that stuff, it's uh, it's just eating so much of my time. So I will get to your questions and comments that you leave on the videos. I'm really sorry that it's taken me so long. I'm way behind. It's not you. It's me, and I'm aware of it. So yes. Um, Okay. Hang on. Chat jumped on me. Wow. Chat way jumped on me. Sorry about that. Okay. Here we are. I found it. Just a sec. 59 watching. If you wouldn't mind sharing this out so we can get more folks in, liking, subscribing. I don't know how close we are to 6,000 subs, but we're really close. I'd love to get there. 44 Mad Guy 1. Awesome. Can't wait to see the new facility. My baby guppies are starting to put on some color. Thanks for all the knowledge you have shared. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that they're doing well and, and you're welcome. Um, some of it's knowledge, but often, often every time I think I know something in this hobby, I think I have knowledge because knowledge is like something known, a truth, right? Often I'll think I know that. And then I'll learn something else. And it's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> so whether it's knowledge or not is a little iffy, but I'm glad to share um, about the hobby with you always. Richard Crackle, are you going to be breeding the facility? Oh, probably not much. Um, the facilities basically, they're, the facility's job is to be uh, making money selling fish. And when you crunch all those numbers and you calculate, so if money's the goal, and it's not the only goal, but it's an important goal because I, if, you know, I can't keep doing this if I don't raise enough money to survive and pay employees and all that stuff. But you all understand this. But when you look at the cost of producing a fish versus what you can buy it for because farms just churn them out, right? And have processes down that, to make it very efficient. Most fish are much, much, much more expensive to breed and raise than to buy and resell. So the bulk of it will be buy and resell. And by the way, I'll, I'll keep doing the quarantine. I'm not going to sell a fish that is newly imported. I, I give them time to recoup and recover and get used to aquarium life and fatten up a bit and all that stuff before I sell them. So I'm not talking about flipping fish uh, like often happens. Like the next day it's for sale. It's so the same day sometimes. Um, but there are some species that I do want to continue doing. Um, so I don't think that'll happen at the facility as much, though. I think that'll happen here. So on the back wall here, I want to keep a row of aquariums for breeding, basically. And, and maybe a couple tanks that actually look nice for filming that are nicely aquascaped and are pleasant to look at versus my typical tank, which is very utilitarian. Um, so that'll mostly happen here as a hobby and for fun versus at the facility. Um, so, yeah. 
And, and I hope to do a little more of that just so I can make more videos about it. And it's the thing I really love. But the facility itself, very little breeding will happen there. It'll mostly happen down here. Let's see here. Michael Wentworth, I know you made a video about it before, but have you been able to positively sex the black tiger baddis yet? Um, so I think so. <laughs> I guess that shows you how much positively it was. There were definitely females in that group. Um, and I sold out really quick. In fact, I need to uh, contact the person that bought the big group for their father for Father's Day and follow up and be like, was I right on that sex ratio? Did those females stay females or was some of them subdominant males? Um, there were there are some things you can look for and be pretty positive. And so I, I sent some that I was positive of, some I was less positive of um, a mix. So I, I guess it would be a mixed bag. Yes, I was positive on some and not so positive on others. <laughs> but uh, so far, I think they're all doing well. And I, I can't wait to find that fish again uh, at a price that makes sense. I mean, I can, I, they're on the list every week, but uh, the, on the usual list, the price doesn't make sense. They're expensive and I have to buy 500 of them. Bathy Phila. Hey, good to hear from you again, Bathy. Do you know if the Rhinogobius yaoshinensis you have are true freshwater species? Yes, they are. Or do they require brackish water for the immatures to develop? Um, as far as I know, they are a true freshwater. Um, as far as I know, they're like the white cheek Rhinogobius, uh, Duosphilus or Duosphorus. Uh, Rhinogobius wuai is what it used to be called, wubi. Um, as far as I know, it's the same. So you should be able to raise them in fresh water. I don't think they need a salt period. That being said, I haven't found a ton of information on that specific species, but they come from similar areas as the other species. And so I think they're too far from the ocean to need the brackish or salt water to develop. So I would say that I'm 95% sure, Bathyphila, that they can be spawned in fresh water and raised in fresh water. But since I haven't actually done it, or seen someone do it firsthand, um, I'm not 100% sure. 40, oh, by the way, they're a cool fish. They're, those little rhinogobius, all of the rhinogobius species are absolutely fantastic. 44 Magguy 1, your website says you have 22 of the African butterfly cichlids. Is this accurate? I probably have more than that, but I have at least that, yes. Um, so when I list fish, if I have 100, a list say 75. And then once I sell, get close to selling out of those 75, I'll try to count again and list how many are left. Sometimes I do that and I think I'm done. And then I go back and I'm like, oh, some were hiding in the plants. Looks like I have five more that I didn't know about. So um, I have at least 22. I think I have more than that. Kids Aquatics, it's fine now. Okay, good. So no buffering, I think, is what that means. Mega Mindy Lou, hey, good to hear from you. I got the baby angelfish video up. Way more in there than I remembered. My sister's fault. Awesome. I'm glad. I'll have to check that out. By the way, I, I know I'm a couple weeks behind on my fry update videos. They're all doing great, though. They're a lot bigger than last time. I do intend to do 
a uh, update video on Friday so you can see them again. It's just been super busy and I apologize. Chewy LTD, where else do you think we get our knowledge from a dance fish? Those that influence us, whether it be Rush or Dr. Paul Lozell, a great speaker on Madagascar fishes. Yeah, uh, Lozell is another legend in the hobby and yeah, a lot about Madagascar, but knows a lot, a lot about a lot of other fish as well. <laughs> Rusher, Dr. Paulo's Loisel, that's funny. Uh, Kaylee's Aquatics, in Tennessee, we say, don't let the screen hit you on the way out. Kid-friendly version. Sounds like the person would fit in that category. Yeah, um, so the customer that had the sore tails. Yeah, it was basically, uh, I don't know. They're probably a perfectly good person that just had a, was disappointed. Like, those fish are expensive, and they got something that they weren't happy with. But I don't know how to be any more transparent than to show you a video of the actual fish you're going to get. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just that small percentage that could suck your life away if you let them. Alex Mitchell, my two female guppies had their first fry. Booyah. I'm wondering if crushed flake food will be adequate for them or would another food source be necessary? It depends on your goals, Alex. Can you raise some with crushed flake food? Absolutely. If they're in a tank and there's a lot of plants in there. Um, I mean, every now and then you encounter a strain that just eats all their fry. But in general, that works. You put crushed flake in for the babies and, and they'll grow up. Now, they might not grow up super quickly and they might not. you might not have as many of them grow up as if you fed some baby brine shrimp as well. But it's not necessary. It'll just give you a higher survival rate and uh, quicker growth in my experience. So if you're just trying to raise a few, then uh, then yeah, crushed flake for me generally works, as does rapashi and crushed pellets and uh, pretty much everything. They're not very picky. If they can get it in their mouth, they'll generally eat it. Slippery Fish Aquatics. Hey, good to see you. Hello, hello, my friend. Well, right back at you, Slippery Fish. Slippery Fish has a store on Get Gills. Check it out. At least I think you still do. Let's see. Stores. Slippery Fish. Going down to the S's. Let's see here. Okay, it's not active. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Slippery Fish. I was trying to give you a shout out and help you out. <laughs> Slippery Fish had some stuff posted there. Looks like they're out of stock at the moment. Well, don't, there I go making bad television. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's great to see you again. Good to see you. Michael Wentworth, off, talk, off topic. How's Caleb? Um, so, Michael, I, I, I hesitate to say that just because I haven't seen Caleb in a couple of weeks. But last time I saw Caleb... He looked great, like so much better than the time I'd seen him before. So, um, I mean, Candy will know for sure. But last time I saw him, it was an amazing transformation and it made my heart sing because uh, he looked so, so much happier. But it's been a couple of weeks. I did rush up Monday and grab some fish, but the timing didn't work out. That shipment came a little later in the day. And so I had to rush back to kind of. I wanted to get them out of the bags right away because they had been in there longer than they needed to be. So for those wondering where I'm at, I'm at the Fish Tank Barnes $4.99 Super Chat that says, No More Professor. Thanks so much. And got to dink. Dink! 
Dank, it's been a while. Glad you made it. Um, Dank tanks and poison dart frogs and stuff. <laughs> you ever get rummy nose in? I don't. I haven't done rummy nose or cardinals, even though I love both those species a ton. I, I debate every time I see them. The issue is, is that everybody carries rummy nose and cardinals. So if there's a choice between rummy nose and cardinals, and uh, I don't know why I lump those together, but um, in, in, in something else that's a little less common, I tend to go for that other thing. So, so far I haven't. In the new facility, I will for sure. And I almost got them this week. Um, there was a good price on some cardinals that were of a decent size. I almost got them, but every time I'm about to, I'm like, yeah, but every single seller sells them. So that's why I don't. I'm, I'm worried that, that I'd have trouble moving them just because you can get them anywhere. So that's why I don't get them in very often or ever yet in this facility. Dan Slee, I was talking about the diagram of your new fish room on the left side row versus three. Okay. Hang on. Let me, let me look at this diagram again. So Dan Slee was talking about, whoa, okay. That's supposed to be showing, hang on. <laughs> that diagram did what is going oh there it is now it loaded sorry it was just taking a little time to load i thought it was having an error so i closed it let me bring that up again okay so hang on okay here we are sorry about that so basically the fish will be caught put in uh, bags, I guess, brought over here. Oh, I see what you're saying. So here's, here's, there will be a delay. So the fish will be caught and then probably put here for a day. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, now I got to change this around a bit. So basically the fish will be caught, put in a bag for a day somewhere, then brought here the next day for the water change and to be sealed, then go here to be boxed. You know what I hadn't calc... I've got to do some thinking, Dan. Now that might change the flow. Maybe I need to move a row of tanks here and move the storage here so fish can be caught, bagged, and then... Oh, wait, I remember why I didn't do this. My thought was that we would keep them on carts here. So yeah, we'll catch all the fish, put them on carts. Then the next day they'll be brought here for their water change, etc., And the packing will go through that way. Then they go here to wait to go out the door. Sorry, that's what I was planning on doing. I just don't have carts here, so I forgot. <laughs> um, okay, I think that answered your question. Sorry, I misunderstood before. All right, but still, uh, still maybe, no, this is nagging me. Maybe it'd be better to move this row down here and move this stuff up here so it doesn't go here and here and back. So it's all stored here and it goes from here. So the bags are here for a day, then they go here for water change and a seal here in the box 
here for postage and storage until later in the day when they go out. I think I might need to do that. I might change this row to here and then move, have the open space be here. Although I don't like that. I kind of like, this is the big loading door. This is the main entrance. I kind of like having room right by the main entrance. So maybe it'd be worth it. I mean, it's not that, it's not that, it's not like a big back and forth. It would just be Fisher on carts. They end up here overnight. Then the carts go here and are loaded onto here. Maybe that's okay. That's not as if inefficient as something where you're going back and forth and back and forth. I'll have to think about that, Dan. Hey, thanks for asking that question because you got me thinking. Killers Aquatics, defecate is to void the bowel. Now we know. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sakana Katana, hey, just got my peacock gudgeons and they arrive looking healthy. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Thank you. Any tips for breeding gudgeons? Three quarter inch pipes, about two to three inch lengths. That's all I use, and they spawn like crazy. I don't cap the end or anything. Um, that way I can kind of see through to see if they've spawned. And also, I like the water being able to flow through so it doesn't get too stagnant in there or anything. So three-quarter inch pipes cut into two to three-inch lengths. Um, sprinkle those around the tank. They'll spawn. That'll give them lots of different options of where to spawn. And... I would recommend removing that little piece of pipe into an incubation aquarium because as soon as they hatch, they'll get eaten. So parental care ends kind of the moment they hatch, they become food. As soon as they start swimming around, they become food. So the best way I've found to hatch them is make the pipe small enough to fit into like an egg tumbler uh, and put it in the egg tumbler and hatch them in there. That's the best way I've found to do it. And they're really small. So make sure you have some infusoria or green water or something available to feed them for the first week or so. Then start mixing in a little bit of baby brine shrimp. And as soon as you see their bellies swell up from brine shrimp, you can start cutting out the infusoria and the green water and kind of transition them over. Once they start doing that, they're, they're a cinch and they grow pretty quickly. But Small foods to start, some kind of little pipe that you can remove into an uh, egg tumbler for incubation would be my main tips on that. Alien World, oh, it jumped on me, Alien World. I started reading it and started scrolling down to see all of it, all of your comment, and then it totally jumped. Here we go. Hey, 73 are watching. That is great. Awesome. Thanks for coming over, everybody. Alien World Aquatics lost, oh no, lost my favorite extra large male crib the other week. Lost power while at work. Don't know how long. He had his mouth stuck open. Tried to save him till 4 a.m. Anything I could have done to save him. Well, first of all, I'm really sorry. That's, it's never fun when we lose a pet. I'm sorry to hear that. I suppose if it was due to power loss, the only thing that could have been done was a, a redundant secondary power source that would kick on automatically, perhaps, if the power went out. So you can look into those. There are some battery-operated systems. There's some things that can, can come in as a backup in case, in case we lose power. Um, so if that was in place, 
that might a system like that might be able to prevent issues in case of a future power outage. So that would be that would be what I would say. Um, and I'm really sorry about your loss. That's no fun. In fact, let's ask this. Anyone in the chat, is, is there a system you know of that you like that if your power went out, I mean, I know there's battery operated pumps you can hook up, but is there anything that when the power goes out would automatically kind of kick on that you're using that you like? Because that would be the ideal thing. If you're off at work or you're out of town when the power goes out and you don't know it, right? That would be the ideal thing, something that automatically kicks on for you. So I'm just wondering if anyone out there uses one that they like. So we could help alien uh, world aquatics out. 2ELTD, recessive genetics like albinism is one of the topics that you run across all the time in guppies. Yes. When recessive genetics are involved, it takes a lot of work in lines. Yes. Uh, it's very prevalent in blues. It's hard to get a good blue strain because red is the dominant color. So getting the red bred out is really hard because it's dominant to blue. Um, so that's, that's one example where I see that a lot. Um, it, that's why I was so excited to get that turquoise guppy strain because it was a turquoise blue in, I think out of 200 of them, only one or two had any red I could see. Uh, so that's why I like that strain and we're sold out now. They went really fast, but I'm, I, I, I keep looking for that same supply for that very reason. Uh, if I can get them from that supplier again, I will. They haven't been available, but as soon as they are, I'll get another batch because you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's hard to, to get those genes out and the work had already been done. It looked like on this strain. Jeff Chambers, are you interested in keeping a smaller fish room for breeding or just for pleasure? Well, for me, breeding is... <laughs> I just realized how that sounded. For me, breeding is pleasure. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I just embarrassed myself so badly. <laughs> oh, man. Wowzer. Good thing Mile High Plecos isn't here. I would, oh, he would have some... He would be able to riff on that for a while. Hope he's doing okay. Anybody heard from Mikey? Anyway, um, for me, what the, my favorite part of keeping fish is breeding fish and spawning fish and raising fish. So uh, that's that's what the the, the general f focus, not thrust, focus of the thing will be. I'm thinking on the back wall in the back of the room, uh, have a, several racks and uh, have several sizes of tanks. It'll be more of a hodgepodge, but it'll be kind of like a breeder's setup versus a, a seller's setup, which is what I have right now. Um, and I'm imagining a curtain that I can pull across it to cut the light. So it's still a good studio to film in and all that, and we can control some things. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep breeding fish because that's my favorite part of the fish hobby. Wichita Falls Fish Keeper, you are so close to 6K. You're doing a great job. I know it's growing. You know, my growth hasn't been spectacular. I don't, I don't have any hacks. I'm not in with any other big YouTubers that can kind of like, I can ride their coattails up, you know, it's just been this steady grind, but it's slow, but it's steady and it's, it's getting there and it is growing and I'm thrilled to see that. So thanks, Wichita. By the way, I have some water Sprite that's doing great. I, I owe you a box of water Sprite. So I, I've got to remember, I got to remember to send you that if you're still needing some. Hang on, I got to write this down. 
because it's been on the back of my mind forever and then I never do it. <laughs> All right. I haven't forgot you. I've just forgot you when I'm packing. <laughs> um, alrighty. SLC Aquatics. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Wichita Falls. I'm late to the stream. You may have already mentioned, but are the hyphen cauliflower sword tails going to be available anytime soon? So I'm waiting for them to all sex out, basically, is what I'm waiting for. The good news is almost all of them have developed the hyphen. Very few have not, which is strange if I understand the genetics of that trait. Now, they're still small, so maybe I'm mistaken, but when I look at them, they look like they have hyphens to me, almost all of them. And I'm waiting for them to sex out for a couple reasons. First, that'll allow me to kind of cherry pick the very best for the next generation because I want to keep the line going. And second, then I can make sure when I sell them, people get the sex ratios that they need so they can be successful breeding them. So they're growing. They're doing great. Um, a lot of high fins, I think. And it's just, a, I mean, I'm feeding them a ton. It's really funny. A, a lot of them are growing well, but there's a few that are growing pretty slowly and they look like they're a balloon type morph. Like somehow there was balloon sword tail in the line and those things grow super slow. I might actually need to put them in their own tank so they don't get completely outcompeted. But yeah, I'm really excited about those. They're coming along. I'm just waiting for them to mature. 44 Mad Guy 1. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Bathy Phila, can you sex the Rhinogobius? I'm considering getting some next month. Uh, I think I already, already um, oh no, that was a different fish. They were asking about the Empire Gudgeons. Um, I, yes, I think I can. I, I mean, the males are very obvious. Obvious, not obvious, obvious. But the issue there is still, uh, I, I'm pretty, yes, I can sex them. Let's go with that. There's enough that I'm sure are females and enough that I know are males that I can sex them. And now once I've sold out of those and kind of have that middle group, that'll be a little harder. But this point in time, I can, I can sex them for sure. Yes. Rick Stidham. Guess what? Turquoise guppy fry. Woo! Awesome. I guess I don't need to be on the wish list for them anymore. Okay, cool. I thank you. Oh, I might email you anyway, <laughs> but I've been looking. They just haven't been available, but I'm glad that you got some. I'm really glad. The fish tank barn. Love my Santa Maria endlers. Awesome. Waiting for them to color up. Have had a couple more spawns. Cool. Um, I would love for anyone that's got those from me, the Santa Maria endlers, when the fry do color up, I would love if you let me know how true they're breeding for you. They're breeding really true for me, but there's a small percentage that don't breed true. And if you got one of those females, because I can't really tell on the females, I can just tell on the males. Um, I want to know that so I can make it right, because I, I know they're a pretty penny that they are not cheap. So I'd love to know if the babies are coloring out correctly for you. So I can rectify it if they're not, just in case. But I'm glad you like them. I think they're fantastic. Um, I put some swallowtails into my line, into only one of the aquariums, because I don't want to 
murk up the entire line, but I'm trying to introduce swallowtail antlers uh, just so I can get nice long streamers on the top and bottom of the caudal fin. The issue is, and here's what they look like. Um, I think I think Pez Aquatics had some for sale. Oh, are they gone? Hang on. This is worth this is worth a look see. Pez Aquatics. Ah, this mouse with the highlighter is hard to use. <laughs> there we are. I think I can find these pretty easily. Unless they sold out. Ah, here they are. So this is a pretty good representation of what this fish looks like. I'm trying to make it bigger for you. The issue I have with them, and the reason I, I'm being cautious with them, well, you're always cautious when you add new fish to a prized strain. It would just be silly not to be. But um, they have a really nice tail. But the orange on the belly isn't to my satisfaction. And mine look pretty much like this. I think we probably ended up getting them from the same place. But, you know, I want a Santa Maria that has orange across the bottom half. Really strong orange. And the, the swallowtails I got, and it looks like maybe the entire strain, because what Pez got as well, have a little bit of orange right here. So what I'm doing is I mix them in with one of my tanks of Santa Maria's, I, I took some females and removed the males and put the swallowtails in there so that I can hopefully um, work that line and get swallowtails that have the bold orange that we want in a Santa Maria line. Like basically from the lateral line down, it should pretty much be bright orange. In, in, or, in order for it to be the striking fish that I think of as a Santa Maria. So it's going to be a while, I think, before I can breed that in and get it going true. But once I do, um, it'll be worth the wait. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Cheshire Cat, great to hear from you again. Hope school's going well. When are fish typically considered juveniles, not fry? I have mollies, platies of various ages. I'm assuming they're considered adults when sexually mature. And showing such behavior. Yeah, so fry, teeny tiny, adults, sexually mature. Juveniles to me, <laughs> how do I describe this? It's kind of when they're big enough to hold their own in a tank of their own species, but immature enough that they're not sexed out yet. They're not spawning yet, if that makes sense. So a juvenile for me is kind of like that. And that's not a perfect way to say it because there are species that their babies live with the adults and it's not a problem. But if you had, say, a barb, which is going to eat all its fry, and you raise the fry up in a separate tank until they were big enough to hang with the adults with no problems, that's when I would start, I guess, considering it a juvenile. Uh, that's a hard question. It varies so much species to species. I don't know how to describe that. It's just between fry and adult. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if there is a specific definition in a fish for that. I'm sorry, I'm not answering that very well. Why is that stumping me? Yeah, I, I guess that's when I consider when they're pretty much acting like adults and are able to eat the adult food and hang with the adults, but are still not sexable. I'm going with that. 
<laughs> Someone else has a better definition for juvenile to clarify. Uh, please let us know. It's tricky, though, because it's not black and white. It's not I'm fry and then I wake up the next morning. No, I'm a juvenile. Right. It's it's a gradual transition. So I think it varies from hobbyist to hobbyist. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm going with. Michael Wentworth. What mistakes have you made that you feel like you learned the most or other hobbyists may learn the most from um, rushing, uh, not letting a tank fully mature and rushing into it? And then you get an ammonia spike and it's bad, bad news. So that's one thing I think it's just understand getting a, yeah, not rushing, getting a feel for when a tank is cycled and then understanding there's a difference between a tank being cycled, making nitrate, and a tank being mature and being able to handle uh, change uh, in a more, uh, yeah, with less traumatic results. I think that's it. I think anytime I, I've rushed has been a problem. And nowadays I don't do it, but every now and then... I'll rush a little bit. It's few and far between, but every now and then I'll rush a little bit and I'll have a problem and I'll be like, I, I, why did I do that? I know not to do that. So that would be, that would be one thing. I think besides that, one of the main problems I've had that I've had to figure out is, is importing fish. How do you get new fish in and um, and help them transition to be good, solid aquarium fish in, in my tanks. So that transition with medicines, different foods, how to handle them, uh, how to help them get used to, cap to the foods I feed, um, to prepared foods, things like that. There were lots of mistakes as I learned that process. And by the way, anytime I go through something like that and figure it out. I'll share what works with for me. I mean, it might not work for you, but I'll, hey, here's what works for me. Take it or leave it or tweak it or whatever. But um, that was a big learning curve. So there were lots of mistakes in that. Shipping fish. Um, when I first started shipping fish, I had pretty good idea of what to do, but um, there were a lot of mistakes made. One mistake was learning when water is safe to use, either in a shipping bag or an aquarium. Um, figuring out chloramines versus chlorine, for example, figuring out how to gas off water, how to all that stuff. So um, what's a mistake I made recently, though? Nothing's popping to mind. There have been some, but it's just not popping into my mind right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Nothing, nothing like that. I'm like, Hey, I just did this recently and it bothers me. Oh yes. Here's one. When you're going to collect your baby brine shrimp, set a freaking timer, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'll go turn off the air in my brine shrimp hatchers and I have to set a timer for seven minutes. If I don't, I get caught up in new projects. I'll do something else. I'll forget. And 
when I remember, they're all dead because the air hasn't been circulating. They've all kind of fallen to the bottom and become this compact, massive, dead baby little brine shrimp um, that I can't use because now they're bad, right? So the other day, when did this happen? Like earlier this week or late last week, I did a batch. I turned off the water and instead of going and immediately setting my timer, I did that thing where I got distracted and lost the whole batch. So that's it. Set the timer <laughs> when I harvest my shrimp. Ah. Sakana Katana, thanks for the tips. You're welcome. Hope they work for you. If you have any more specific questions, um, happy to help either here or an email. Um, just let me know. want to help you uh, get those breeding and raising because they're awesome. Alien World Aquatics, thank you so much for your answer and kindness. You're welcome. And yeah, just this fish loss is horrible. Pet loss is horrible. So I'm sorry you went through that. Oh, I totally missed a super chat. I'm sorry. Kaylee's Aquatics, 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, Bob, you're killing me. <laughs> Hashtag breeding is for pleasure. <laughs> Dan Slee saying it. <laughs> breeding is pleasure. Jeez. Oh, I knew as soon as I said that, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully it is. Hopefully it is. Dang Tanks, Miles doing good. So, Mile High Pleco's good. Awesome. I know he's out working and stuff, but um, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm just lucky you didn't hear that one because he would know how to get mileage out of that for sure. I'd never live that down. <laughs> 54 bunch I'm cracking up so bad. Yes, I, I guess if you're doing it right, breeding is for pleasure. Chewy LTD, red is to blue like green is to purple. Albinism is altogether a different genetic, which is just missing the black pigment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. So you're saying that red and blue is... Uh, not a, it's not this or that. Whereas in albinism, you either have melanin or you don't. Yeah, I totally understand. I get your point. Yep. I guess I was just talking, I was thinking about strains and breeding for recessive traits and, and all that. And I, I feel like blue is recessive to red though, because if you breed a blue fish, a blue guppy with a red guppy, you're going to get, you know, a lot of red. So, um, so it is I don't know, subdominant to, to red, but I, I see your point in all or nothing trait like albinism. Sure. Sure. Um, oh, and it jumped on me. Oh, here we are. Gotcha. Alien World Aquatics. I got to go get some dinner. Yeah, you do. Thanks so much. And everyone for the suggestions. You're welcome. Have a good dinner. Enjoy your yum yums. Chewy LTD, a double swordtail guppy involved in breeding that strain of Santa Maria Endler should be easy to get that orange color genetic in the cross, I would think. We'll take selection. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be nearly as hard as my original challenge of, of uh, outcrossing to a completely different strain and then coming back. That was difficult. But yeah, I, I'm hoping that this crossing the swallowtail in We'll just take a few generations, maybe three. That's what I'm that's what I'm guessing. But I've been wrong before, so we'll see. 
Oh, Michael Wilson, not Swallowtails, Double Swords. Okay, okay. We got the we got the library nerd throwing down. <laughs> Preach, Michael Wilson. Preach. Yes, I hear you. I call them Swallowtails because that's what they were listed as when I bought them. But Double Sword, we'll go with the official lingo instead of the uh, uh, industry lingo. Michael Wentworth, <laughs> breeding is pleasure because it's worth mentioning one more time before the end of the night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh. hey is Jadrin Aquatics here awesome I see Jeff Chambers shouting Jadrin you know who I haven't seen in the chat for a long time is Jeff Rose hope Jeff Rose is doing well Cheshire Cat that makes sense to me my oldest platies are four months but I have two to three month Molly nearly the same size so going by age isn't very accurate yeah yeah it's a size thing not a yeah Mm-hmm. Not an age thing. All righty. Did we reach the bottom? We did. Hey, Candy Overholes made it. Glad you made it, Candy. I'm here, but not here. Answering emails and listening. All right, Candy. Glad you made it. Um, Candy, there was someone asking how Caleb was doing earlier in the live stream, and I, I didn't know. So how's Caleb doing? I just said last time I saw him a few weeks ago, he looked great. So hope he's doing well. Hey, we reached the bottom of the chat. So if you have a question or comment you want me to get to tonight, now's the time to list it down below because in a minute or so, we'll probably shut this sucker down. So if you leave something, we'll get to those and and shut it out. In the meantime, let me thank some people. My mods, of course. Thank you so much. Killers Aquatics, 54 Punchy, The Art of Fish Keeping who does amazing art that you should check out, Candy Overholes, and wherever he is in the world, Lumpy Dog. For anyone that gave a super chat, thank you so much. Always appreciated. Never required, but it does make the wife super happy and is super helpful. And um, anyone that asked a good comment or question, made things interesting, kept the chat going, made this lively, I really appreciate that. It's so much easier to keep a live stream going when there's a discussion going between you and me Um, And you're asking things or saying things that we can, you know, banter back and forth about than me just trying to like talk to a wall. (laughs) Right. So thanks for all that. All you lurkers. I feel you. I lurk too. Okay. 54 Punchy. Ed has a question. All right. Ed Young. How come both of my chats to Dan got skipped over? Hmm. Ed. Let's see here. Ed Young. Let me scroll up. Did, were they highlighted? If they were highlighted and I didn't see them, Ed, it just, it's just the chat must have jumped on me, so I missed them. <clears throat> if they weren't highlighted, it's because they weren't highlighted. So when I'm reading the chat, I, I just jump from highlighted comment or question to highlight because I'm trying to not get in a situation where you're watching me just read the chat looking for something to respond to. So if it's not highlighted, I assume it's not for me, that it's just banter among folks within the chat. I've scrolled up pretty darn far here, though, and I don't see anything from you, Ed. So my guess is that it didn't highlight. And I'm sorry about that. I never mean to, like, ignore a question or comment. So, um, so Ed Young, if you would list it now... Then I know it's coming. I'll look for it. Oh, you did put a dance fish. Okay, then it just skipped on me. 
Um, and sometimes it skips on me and then I have trouble getting back up. So, um, Ed, if you'd leave it right now, I will totally um, answer it. And anyone else, if if for some reason I, I just didn't respond to your question or comment, I apologize. It just jumped on me and I didn't see it. So please leave it now and I'd be happy to do so. So sorry, Ed, about that. I did not mean to do that. Uh, Alex Mitchell, you mentioned that you put basil in your tanks. How long did it take for them to root into the water? I'm not sure exactly. I, I mean, they started like wanting to send out little roots within a week or so. A decent root system. I really didn't time it, but it was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. And by the way, they don't they don't grow super quickly or anything like that, but they stay alive. They grow a little bit and it just makes the fish room smell, you know, decent. That's why I do it. But I'm sorry. I never really timed how long it took for them to really root out. Ginger Graves, dance fish. Cochina's got an upgrade to 20 gallon. Cool. Better Cochina. Better Embellus as well. Different tank, of course. <laughs> I thought all my Embellus were girls, but I'm pretty sure I have a gorgeous male in the mix. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Those are one that's that are tricky for me to sex. I have two males that I was holding back to breed. They've never done anything for me though, so so I think I'm gonna if they don't do anything pretty soon here, I'll probably pair them up with a female and and let those go for people that were wanting pairs. Um, Gaylor's Aquatics five dollars of hype, hype, the hype hippo. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. Ed Young, um, let's see. I'm not seeing it. Okay. Well, I think we've reached the bottom. I'm going to wait just a second in case Ed wants to repost his question or comment. In fact, I'm going to scroll up real quick while I'm waiting and see, was there a whole section that I missed? Because, oh, you know what else it could have been, Ed? Is when I switched from top chat to live chat, it might have rearranged everything so that I missed it. So I'm, I'm scrolling up now to look real quick because I feel bad. I really don't try to do that to anybody. And I'm not seeing it. The other issue is, well, I'm at the top. I'm as far up as it'll let me go and I don't see it. The other issue is sometimes you do the highlight thing, but based on the device you're using, sometimes it doesn't come through. So, for example, when I'm on my phone um, and I try to do that, it doesn't work. For some reason, I can select it and everything, but it does not ever highlight on the person's chat. And it's just because of my device. So don't worry about it, says Ed. Okay, with Ed's permission, we shall shut down the stream. Thanks, everybody, for coming. If you haven't done so, I'm so close to 6,000 subscribers. And if you want to be one that helps us get there, that would be awesome. Likes, shares, subscribe, subscriptions, subscriptions, <laughs> subscriptions, notification bells, all that is super appreciated. Uh, anybody, anyway, Michael Wentworth, <laughs> Raiders stink, that is all. Shutting down the stream like we started it. I'll see you next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Until then, have a good one.